We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Dynasty. Tradecast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Dynasty Tradecast, brought to you by BetOnline.ag and, of course, on RotoViz Radio. My name is Dan Sanio. I haven't been here for at least a little bit. I think it's kind of been an on-again, off-again type relationship, but holding down the fort per usual the glue that keeps this thing together, Mr. Nathan Powell. Nathan, how are you this fine evening? Splendid, if splendid meant tired. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're filming a little later than normal. Uh, lots of schoolwork, lots of real work. Uh, you know, the, the fantasy grind is upon us. Yes, sir. It is officially among us. We've got some combine measurements coming in today. We record um, normally Monday nights, worst case scenario, Tuesday nights. But today we did, in fact, get to see a little bit of the combine measurements and shout out, which I, I know he'll never hear this shout out. Um, but Charles Robinson doing God, the gods, you know, all of the gods work by posting each and every single one of these uh, pieces of information and accurately, which Honestly, at the at the pace he does it and, and the amount of information coming out is pretty impressive. Uh, and occasionally he'll throw those little side eyes in there, you know, like, wow, that that was kind of unexpected. So we're going to talk just a little bit about some of some of the measurements that came through today with quarterbacks and wide receivers. If a tight end comes up um, like maybe Claypool or something, 
we can dabble just a little bit, but we're just going to kind of go over a few things that um, were good, maybe not so good, and then we're going to talk about uh, some rookies a little bit later on uh, in relation to ADP and kind of valuation within startups and just the overall Dynasty universe, and we're going to maybe make a few hot takes, talk about some potential risers, some potential fallers, and uh, see if we can put our own little spin on it. So this week uh, and next week, I would imagine, are going to be pretty heavily on the topic of the combine and rookies, and we'll kind of uh, work our way towards that lovely NFL draft. So let us start with some of that good slash bad slash ugly, and I guess it probably makes sense to start at the very, very top of the board with the... I think kind of perceived 101 uh, in the NFL draft. And we're talking, of course, about LSU's Joe Burrow uh, showed up for his measurements. Everything looked good until he put his hand on the board. And uh, not that it's the biggest deal in the world. I think it was maybe a little bit unexpected, but he does, in fact, have that nine inch hand. And we're, you know, I think nine and a half is, is, you know, again, this is all. (laughs) <laughs> you know, we're, we're digging for content folks, but uh, I think that nine and a half and up is kind of what you're looking for. So nine is a little bit on the small side. He did play in the Bayou though. So uh, I think if he can hold a ball through that humidity, he can hold it through just about anything. Nathan, is this anything that really truly worries you? Do you feel like we might have a, a gloved hand in the future or is this some of this stuff just kind of too much? At the end of the day, especially from a non-Debbie perspective, the Combine, it tells the NFL what they think, and then the NFL will tell us what, what they think. So when Burrow goes 101 to the Bengals, I'm not going to care whether his hands are 12 inches or 9 inches. <laughs> He's probably the QB1 unless I dip back into the Toa, the Toa, the Tua waters. Uh, but you know, regardless, if he's the 101 in the NFL draft, I'm not worried about his hand size. And I don't think that they're going to be that worried about it. It's not like he came in an eight and a half inch hands. Uh, yes, they're smaller, but they're not so small that you would cross them off your board. Absolutely. I, I think if all of the arm talent is there, which we've seen all throughout the college football season, and, and he was really able to, you know, kind of show us in all of those big primetime games, uh, I don't think there's going to be any real issues with Burrow. I'm sure all of the teams through all of their individual workouts are, are going to put him through the ringer to make sure uh, there isn't any grip pressure, you know, issues or anything like that. Uh, and then you look a little, uh, you know, just slightly down further down the QB depth chart and you've got two with 10 inch hands and Justin Herbert with 10. And um, I think Jordan Love had a massive paw, something like 10 and a half. And the kid from Michigan State had something, but he's irrelevant. So I think there's a, there's a good amount of quarterbacks in this, just kind of looking from a broad spectrum. There's a good amount of quarterbacks in here that I, I think are going to get drafted somewhat early. And I think we might have a pretty large number of quarterbacks overall drafted. I mean, just off the top of your head, you could probably pick out like eight. Are there any of these guys that you think will make a big leap in, in value and, you know, kind of value in the NFL's eyes from, you know, post combine, do you think maybe like a Justin Herbert pushes for that top spot? Do you think someone like Jordan love could really move his way up into like the back end of the first, maybe if someone loves that type of quarterback rather than, you know, your, your Herbert or your 
um, Joe Burrow, and obviously the big question with Tua is the hip. So are any of these guys going to make a big move post-combine? I don't think there's going to be a big move. And the thing is that Jordan Love has had the best offseason really anyone could imagine so far. You know, he was one of the best players at the Senior Bowl. He has been getting rave reviews on, you know, at the Combine as, as far as all that stuff. And, you know, he's been moving up mock draft boards for whatever that those are worth. And so I, I think that all three of Burrow, Tua, and Herbert, unless the hip thing really comes up this week, with Tua, I think all three of those guys are locked in the top 10. And right now, Love is the one that is looking to be picked in that like 10 to 16 range. The Bucks picked there, the Colts picked there. And so if there's a guy who's going to be pushing towards the top 10, it's Love. I'm just not sure if there's going to end up being 10 teams picking in the top 10 willing to spend a pick on a quarterback. I mean, three, three, three teams or four teams, I guess, but it what i'm saying there sure uh, and, and it could end up becoming a race guys you know teams trying to leapfrog one another to get into that position to find that guy if they do really love one of them and they notice kind of a little bit of a quarterback run if other teams are moving up or or maybe these some of these guys fl- um, fall a little bit and they're kind of trying to buy their time i think you hit the nail right on the head though with especially the senior bowl i think that was huge for jordan love and his for his value i think that will definitely get him I would assume it's going to be at the worst, like a late first. One of these teams is going to fall in love with him. Um, and again, that I mean, it only takes one to do it. So, yeah, I think I think Jordan Love could could probably be the big surprise of all of them by by moving up a good amount. And okay, let's move to a different position. Let's talk uh, just a little bit about some of the wide receivers. Uh, I think one. I don't know if it was necessarily really surprising, but I guess more disappointing. Um, KJ Hamler, who I think a lot of folks really, really like, don't love from Penn State, kind of that burner, you know, quick in-out guy, uh, measured in under 5'9", under 180. So if you look at historical comps from just a size perspective, there's not a whole lot to you know to be excited about you've got a couple of hall of famers and almost nothing in the middle and mostly you're looking at the cole beasley's of the world so uh i think kj would uh, you know obviously like an outlier like maybe tyreek hill who again is going to fit in line with the wes welker uh and the steve smith type guys so you know, KJ, for me, he's a fun, explosive type guy, but I think he's going to have to run legitimately out of that building at the Combine, have a really impressive 40. And as he makes his way to draft day and has workouts with teams, I think we're going to need to see him put some sort of weight on because he's not going to survive in the NFL at that size because he's he's relatively lean. I don't think there's a whole lot of mass in the lower body there. So is is KJ someone that you like as a prospect or is he just kind of a flash in the pan type guy, maybe a, you know, a kick returner or uh, a, a glorified deep threat? Yeah, it's interesting with Hamler because he was definitely, you know, shaping up to be a sleeper extraordinaire in the fantasy community, especially one that the fantasy community was going to be higher on than the NFL most likely. But today was not a good day for him. And the funny thing is, like, there's a lot of old takes exposed going on. I'm not even sure if this even registers on that guy's radar officially. But I saw a lot of people saying Hamler is going to win measurement day. Hamler is going to win measurement day. And he was the absolute loser for measurement day. And so – uh. 
he has to run fast. He has to run the four threes, maybe low four fours, or he's a day three pick basically. And so, I mean, he could certainly run at that speed, but it's kind of like it went from it would be really nice if he ran four three eight to now he has to run four three eight, or he's really doesn't matter. Right. Another brutal one there. And it's not even because of measurements, um, more decision making and ability Tyler to be Johnson. ready for something. Yeah. Tyler Johnson, man, first trying game, then, you know, obviously doesn't get the invite to the senior bowl, really says he's focusing on the combine and now he's not even going to run. That usually means one thing, and that means he's not ready and he's going to be slow. So hopefully the you know the go for pro day or if it's a com- combined pro day, I, I don't know. I know they have a late one, so he has plenty of time to get ready for it. But Tyler Johnson was one of my favorites in this wide receiver bunch, and I have a, a, an okay amount of Debbie shares, and and it's kind of it's it's pretty disappointing, honestly. I, I thought he was going to be able to to do some work and. Uh, I know the speed kind of was always the question because he can do most anything, but he doesn't have enough to take the top off the defense. And you know, I thought maybe he'd show enough to be like, well, he's fast enough. I don't know if he's fast enough because we've only seen him against basically Big Ten competition for his college career. He's put up monster numbers in a program that isn't really known for tons and tons of passing. It's notoriously a running program, as are most Big Ten teams. but he produces, and yet here we are wondering where is he going to go from here. It, do you think his pro day can save this for him? I, I think that you know the, the provoking thought among like NFL agents, you know, the last five six years has been if they're not going to post a good time, don't don't go at the combine. But I think that over time, as more and more people skip the combine and skip the testing and end up doing it just at their pro day. That's going to be more than more of a red flag than testing, you know, medium to poorly. Obviously, nothing to do with really with Tyler Johnson, but it's just a thought I had that it just does seem odd that more and more of these guys are just like, well, if I'm not going to test great, I'm not going to test at all. Um, And yeah, with with Johnson, I'm not even sure if the pro day can save him. I I I think it it's it's just going to have to rely on someone maybe early in day three who really likes him, investing in him, um, because. I don't think that he's suddenly going to get faster between now and April. Sure. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Okay. On the opposite side of the fence, we can talk about, well, I, I think there was a clear winner from, from today as far as the measurements go. And uh, I think it's Jalen Rager, right? I mean, he, he came in over 200 pounds and I mean, everything was in line kind of with what we saw from the rest of it, but me personally, I didn't think he was going to sniff 200. I thought the 195 TCU gave him was pretty damn generous. And all of a sudden here he shows up over 200, which CeeDee Lamb couldn't do. Jerry Judy wasn't going to sniff. And here's and here's Rager doing, doing what we kind of wanted those guys to do. So I think he gets the most out of this. He's put the work in. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily bulked up a ton. But it's clear that, I mean, he's he's ready to go. Yeah. The one thing, obviously maybe it's just me being misinformed, but I thought Rager was taller, you know, coming in at five ten and five eighths. That's a, a shorter than I thought he was. I mean, I know he's like a, a big play wide receiver guy, who, you know, plays bigger uh, and he was, he was lean in college, but now he's two Oh six. So I, I, I certainly that's the positive for most, but I thought, you know, with his style of play that he would be a little bit taller. 
Yeah, I thought he was in that six foot range, um, to be completely honest. But it's not. I don't think it's it's a ton. To, you know, it's not that big of a deal. He didn't come in under five nine, which you know that that would have been really worrisome all of a sudden if he loses like two inches off of his head or something. So that one was was a little you know a little curious, but seeing the weight added was absolutely huge. And seeing CD Lamb progressively add on weight, he he was he got close to two hundred. He didn't get to two hundred. I'm assuming that was probably his goal. But we've seen him steadily increase throughout his college career. He was, I mean, a stick figure coming out of high school. And he's done great work, it seems, at Oklahoma, you know, getting bigger and and filling out proportionally, which is super, super important. Everything, you know, for him, he doesn't look odd. You know, like last year when we had DK Metcalf, he was so, so big that even the way he ran looked goofy. And, you know, CD doesn't have that feel to him. So I, I think I think his measurements coming through um, were basically what we expected. I think uh, some people maybe thought he was going to measure in somewhat light, and, and he did a pretty darn good job. So uh, I guess at this point, is there any really big takeaways from maybe that top tier, you know, your, your Jerry Judy, your CD Lamb, Jalen Rager, even maybe like a T Higgins? Do any of these guys stand out as doing the most? I know we, we just talked about Jalen Rager, but do you think anybody kind of put themselves up into the next tier or anybody kind of sliding down maybe that we were thinking were elite prospects? Uh, I, I said to, to some people privately that T. Higgins, with his measurements, obviously will, his 40-time will also you know help determine his athleticism. But... I, I think he's wide receiver three right now. Six three and five ace, two hundred sixteen pounds. It's a little bit heavier than I thought he would be, uh, which is certainly a good thing. And so, yeah, I I'm a big T Higgins guy. I think that he I think he's closer to the top tier of Judy and Judy and Lamb than he is wide receiver four, which is probably Rager. Yeah, I've got I've got T in that same spot. I've I've been a fan since he came out. Uh, obviously at, at wide receiver university working aside from Justin Ross over the last couple of years uh, has been somewhat of a help, but having Trevor Lawrence may help just a little bit. Uh, yeah. I, I think T Higgins, you know, the almost, you know, what, six, three and a half two fifteen. That's, that's impressive. Uh, big boy wingspan, 81 inches, you know, his, his catch radius is going to be monstrous, especially once we see the jump and we see him run. I think he's going to run well. I don't think he'll, you know, set any records or anything, but I think he'll run well for a bigger guy. And yeah, I, I feel like that, that top tier is probably solidified at four wide receivers right now. Uh, I agree with the Judy, the lamb T Higgins, probably right there. And I think Jalen Rager now I, I be, the weight thing for me because of his, his size, I, I didn't view him as a big guy and two Oh six is pretty impressive for five ten. So that, um, that's pretty good. Are there, are there any tight ends you want to talk about? Anybody that did anything or anybody well, even just off the top of your head, maybe that we, we need to see something from this week. LaVisca uh, Chanel, who kind of profiled oh, sure. as, you know, a running back playing wide receiver ended up weighing in as a, he basically yeah. the same measurements as Ezekiel Elliott. Um, so I, I, I think that it's weird because there's not really a way to quantify this, but I think like his route running trees and that the on-field drills will be big for NFL teams for, for that reason that they want to see him play wide receiver and not play 
wide receiver that gets to, you know, avoid tacklers in the Big 12. Sure. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I think his college tape shows enough of his high-end ability as a wide receiver. Uh, but I agree that, you know, the, the RB portion of his game is, I don't want to call it a, you know, a drawback. It's nice having a Swiss Army knife and, and getting him into an offense where people know how to use him. You know, we, we see what Kyle Shanahan could do with Debo Samuel. That would be a really fun spot, I think, having LaVisca Chenault there. Uh, obviously, we always are, are hoping for all of these guys to go into the uh, the higher-end coaching staffs and, and better offenses, but I, I think he'll be another one to watch. I think you're right there. That's a, that's a fun one. I know he was a big favorite of a lot of guys, and I think he's still probably in that mid that mid wide receiver one talk, maybe lower end wide receiver one. I think we'll we'll kind of see how that second tier shuffles around quite a bit. And obviously losing uh, Brian Edwards with with the injury, uh, that'll be interesting to see where he ends up going. Uh, I think somebody will end up getting him as a pretty darn good steal in uh, in the NFL draft. And speaking of steals, Nathan. Oh, are you talking about our good friends over at Bet Online? Because they are a steal every day of the week. You'll you'll be stealing money when you get involved with BetOnline.ag. Got to get get involved with them today. You know, there, there's so much to bet on these days. Uh, the NFL draft. Fun fact, uh, Dan, my bachelor party will be in Vegas draft weekend. Um, <laughs> I forgot I haven't told you that yet. Um, so uh, I won't need BetOnline, but you should get involved with bet online if you want to do some draft props coming up um we have the masters coming up and we have uh where are we going uh and the uh, march madness march madness is a m- less than a month aw- less than a month away so uh, that is the ideal time to get in- involved so get involved with betonline.ag 50 percent deposit bonus uh go to betonline.ag and use promo code blue wire b-l-u-e-w-i-r-e blue wire to betonline.ag to get involved in some some gambling action that's right, gamble away, our friends. Uh, okay, we're going to talk a little bit about the, you know, the the landscape as it stands, where some of these rookies are going to slot in, what ADP currently looks like, and where we kind of see these guys ending up. You know, once they're drafted, you know, we we kind of have a good idea where a lot of these guys will go. Obviously, we're going to have some movement where teams end up taking players, but currently in the February ADP over uh, with our friends at DLF, we've got only one quarterback as a quarterback one, which I guess isn't super, super surprising, but the last few guys kind of around that territory make me kind of wonder why uh, the other quarterback isn't there. But Joe Burrow is currently going as QB 11 in ADP. He is surrounded by a couple of Oldenburgs, Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan, Uh, obviously two guys that have put up plenty of good seasons, kind of, making their way to uh, not necessarily the end of their careers, but the, you know, 36 for Aaron Rodgers and 34 for Matt Ryan They're They're getting there. So Joe Burrow QB 11 right now, Nathan, do you think that's about right? Do you think he could sneak up into maybe that Carson Wentz territory at seven or eight? Do you think uh, he'll probably just hold strong here as a low end QB one? I think it's honestly a bit strange that Carson Wentz is the leader of the tier of Wentz, Mayfield, Allen, Rogers, Burrow, Ryan, you know, that tier of probably 20 to 30 picks. I'm not sure that Carson Wentz really belongs there anymore. Like, you know, he's had the huge season that ended in, in the ACL tear and we really haven't seen, we've had glimpses, 
But we haven't really seen the same Carson Wentz since, whether that be because of his health, whether it be because of other players' health. And I, I'm a I, I'm a believer in Carson Wentz, but I think he should be a bit lower. But but talking about Burrow, I, I would have him above Rodgers. I'd probably have him above Allen, and I would have him with Wentz and Mayfield most likely. Okay, I think I think that that spot maybe just uh, see I would have. I would have him with probably Allen and Wentz. And I mean, Allen, Wentz, and Mayfield all to me are uh, feel pretty similar. I think Burrow fits in nicely there. But when you look at this, there's a noticeable gap between QB6 and QB7. Um, we're talking about raw ADP of about 40 picks. So that's that's a that's a pretty big gap. And I think the guy that might end up filling that spot and kind of taking over there is actually the current uh, rookie QB two, uh, which is Tua Tags, which we have taken to calling him because no one can pronounce that last name. I think Tua, when he proves he's healthy, will slide up that board. He'll end up hopefully somewhere favorable. And I think he'll leapfrog Burrow. And I think he will get into that mid QB one mix just because I think we have more, we have we know more about Tua. We don't know a ton about Joe Burrow. We got really one season out of him. Tua's been able to do it for you know the length of his career, and you know Tua's 21, Joe Burrow's 23. Age isn't a huge thing, but for a lot of dynasty players, it is. They see that, that the little difference, and I think you could easily make the case even now that Tua should be ahead of him. Obviously, if Burrow goes first in the draft. He's probably going to be the first quarterback taken as a rookie. Is Tua someone you think can make a huge leap here? I, I don't think he can hop Burrow. I, I think he will be taken ahead of Burrow in, in some drafts, but I don't think he's going to hop Burrow in ADP. I don't think he's going to hop Burrow in the NFL draft. Um, I think there's a good chance. Like I, I even mentioned when I was talking about you know Burrow being the one on in the NFL draft uh, and him that, that, that that's for being the QB1, that like I still might flirt with taking Tua. Which, with that being said, like, if you can get in a super flex the 102, you know, if you can trade the 101 for the 102 and any sort of decent piece, which you probably can't get much, but, you know, I'm all for someone giving me, you know, extra pieces so I don't have to make a decision for it. I like that. I like that. Okay, so we can kind of wrap up the quarterback portion with this. The next guy off the board would be Justin Herbert, and then a, a Another again, another pretty big gap until you get to the QB four as far as rookies go in Jordan Love, who's being taken as an early QB three. After Taysom Hill. Yeah, that don't don't <laughs> guys and girls don't 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 do that. <laughs> don't get just peel. So take your piece of paper and just peel Taysom Hill off of it and just set him right in your wastebasket. Don't even need to have him on the page. Just set him in there. Um. I, again, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I think Jordan Love can make a big leap. I think he can get into that that lower end. I guess it's not a huge leap, but I think we could, we could get him above Drew Locke. We could get him to kind of that Kirk Cousins, Jimmy G, Matt Stafford territory. Uh, again, it's going to take draft capital. He's going to go after Justin Herbert. I'd almost guarantee that. But going later, he could find himself in a really good situation. If he ends up going to Tampa... I mean, sky's the limit. You've got Godwin and Evans. Think about that team. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, in that scenario, that most likely means that Winston walked. So he, he'll probably be playing right away. Whether that's good or not for his development, who knows. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of Love if he ends up in Tampa or Indy. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of him as is. But if he goes to Tampa or Indy at that 12 or 13 spot, then I think he should be the 107, 108 in Superflex. Very, very fair. All right, let's move to running max. And let's talk about, again, we've only got one of these rookies falling in the top tier of the category, one RB1, which is, of course, DeAndre Swift. And I think he's kind of been solidified here with Jonathan Taylor. I think the two of them are tied pretty darn close in value, and they have been for quite a while. And I I think... I think Swift has just a little bit of that edge because we've been able to see him do, I, I mean, more as a pass catcher, I guess, is probably the difference. Jonathan Taylor, I think, is the clear better two-down back, but I think Swift brings that that bigger element who can be a bigger playmaker and, and provide more for an offense. But I feel like Jonathan Taylor is, is probably the more polished of the two. I feel like he's going to be ready to go day one, at least from what we've seen. He he just looks like a polished back to me. Yeah, I, I mean, I think both are going to end up being top 35, top 40 picks, and which means that they're going to get a decent workload in year in year one. Most likely, be the, the team's RB one. See a similar uh, role, to, especially. I, I think that you can take Josh Jacobs' stat line from from 2019 on on the points per game basis and just give it to Jonathan Taylor. 100. Uh, with with the lack of receiving uh, uh, right. onto that. And then, and then Swift obviously has a bit of a higher ceiling because of the receiving threat. But honestly, I, I think, you know, it, it's another situation where, when you're comparing Tua and Herbert, I mean, Tua and uh, Burrow, like if I can trade down one spot and make someone pick the Swift-Taylor decision for me, I'm fine doing that too. Sure. And those, those two guys are hugging that RB1 line. Swift coming in at 12, Jonathan Taylor coming in at 14, planted in the middle is Miles Sanders, which that feels about right. I, I think all of those guys make sense there. But not not to be forgotten or left behind, right on the coattails, J.K. Dobbins. Now, I'm going to save my negativity <laughs> because I'm not a Dobbins guy. Do you feel like Dobbins fits here? Do you feel like he should be further down? Is he going to provide all of the explosiveness and playmaking ability that he's kind of been thrust into like hey that's your big playmaker that's your that's your difference maker type of guy rather than your polished backs like we have at the top i i think that of the first round you know top 15 to 20 you know rookie draft picks that are going to be running backs i think that dobbins is the least likely to outperform his adp uh you know obviously it's hard to outperform 101 102 with taylor and, and swift uh but I, I think that Edwards Allaire could easily live up to or surpass his spot. I think Akers has an RB1 overall type ceiling. And so I, I think that if there's one guy who presents a risk just because of his price, I think it's Dobbins. Yeah, I, I, I he feels too risky for me. I feel like there's a lot of things that could go very wrong, whether it land be landing spot, offensive philosophy, Getting him going, I think it'd be more difficult than someone that they can just kind of rely on. And I see these next two guys, like you just mentioned, Akers and Allaire. Uh, I, you know, both of these guys are only 20. They're going at 19 and 22 as far as running backs are concerned. 
And, you know, they're going behind Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, Todd Gurley. Kind of planted with them is Marlon Mack and Devin Singletary. Singletary feels right to be kind of paired with those two. But I mean, Singletary feels low. Yeah, no, that's definitely low. I feel like the the Eckler Gordon duo being smashed kind of right in the center of all of the rookie running, but the high end rookie running backs. For me, it just feels like I'm taking almost all of these rookie, like all five of these rookie backs, even probably Dobbins over. I don't know about Gurley, but definitely Gordon, and I'd probably even take him over Eckler. Mm-hmm. And then Marlon Mack, who I, I've never been a big fan of, two down back. He he he, you know, he gets. He gets his bread there, and that's where it stops. So, you know, those two down guys, aside from maybe Derrick Henry, all feel like they're always going to be too high. And I guess that's my one big worry when we go back to the top with Jonathan Taylor is that he's kind of stuck in that, kind of the same with Josh Jacobs. But hopefully we see uh, with time those guys grow. And is there anybody a a little further down in, in the rookie ranks, you know, like a a Keyshawn Vaughn or uh, an AJ Dillon or Eno Benjamin, any of those type of guys you think might be in to make kind of a splash and, and move way up in this running back tier. I think, I think that Dylan has the one that has the highest variance on his 40 time. You know, if he ends up running in the four or fives, he's going to be a second round NFL draft pick. Like, 100%, yeah. you know, and if he runs in the four sevens, yeah, he gone. <laughs> yeah, then he and, becomes a fullback. Yeah, which it's what's going to happen is that it's going to release and he'll have run like a four six two and he'll be okay. <laughs> sure. But but if he runs in the four fives, he's a stud. Yeah, if he he's a monster. He's what like two forty some two forty five and like that. Yeah, high two forties. Um, big that's a that's a big back. Um, yeah, I, I feel like he's. If I had to plant a flag, I think Dylan's probably the one I would be at least a little bit hopeful to to make that step. But I do think that the explosiveness and and that high end, that top end speed, that forty time, are going to really play into where he goes and and you know his his eventual fate as a dynasty dynasty prospect. Let us. Uh, I think we'll just do wide receivers and call it at that. No one likes tight ends, mostly me. <laughs> so shout out, we'll, shout out david who yells at you at least once a week about that i know and i always have an answer for him um okay wide receivers so this one again is you know we mentioned a little bit before when we were talking about what we're expecting of these guys coming through but we've kind of got a muddied top tier with jerry judy cd lamb t higgins jalen rager uh so let's let's skip past that and let's talk about Brian Edwards and where he could potentially go. Because there was a time when we were talking about this 2020 class that Brian Edwards was Brian Edwards was the guy. He, you know, he, he at times was the Debbie, you know, 101, 102, 103. He was being taken in that spotlight. And all he did was produce. He he did enough to kind of maintain. But now we've got the injury. We've got the potential slide down boards because of the injury. And we're not going to get to see any of that athleticism here. So is, is this a guy we think when, if, you know, he can prove he's healthy, makes a leap back into that top tier? I don't think he's going to end up falling as much as people think. I, I, I think that 
he'll end up being like a third round NFL draft pick. And it's not like he had like a first round pick type projection as it, you know, before the injury. So I, I think that if anything, this maybe drops him a bit from, you know, like 50 to 55 range down to like the 60 to 65 range. Essentially with, with Edwards, I, I would say that yes, as always, the draft position will tell us how worried the NFL is about the injuries. Um, but I don't think they're going to be that worried about it. And so I think that he's ended up being a, a, a day two pick and a late first, early second round pick. Where do you think Henry Ruggs fits into all of this? He's kind of been, been you know, the guy that's really split Twitter, feels like. Uh, I think everyone's kind of agreed on that top four being like the pretty good tier. But we've got, we've got Henry Ruggs. Um, from a lot of folks kind of sliding into that top four or five, he's currently, I think, uh, wide receiver 34 in ADP. That feels high. Uh, I think he's the most volatile of this top group, if we want to call add him to the top group. Uh, I think I would rather have a LaVisca Chenault. I think I would rather have Brian Edwards. I think I would rather have Justin Jefferson. Ruggs seems like... A, kind of a one-trick pony, honestly, and, and maybe I'm I'm off on that. I, I just I don't see him as anything more than that deep threat. The the only reason why I'll have rug shares if I do, it'll be because the fantasy community doesn't end up liking him as much as the NFL does, which is essentially why I end up getting any dynasty player. But right now, I think dynasty likes him almost as much as the NFL does. I think that. Ruggs is probably projected to be, you know, a late first round pick, early second round pick in the NFL draft, which will make him a late first round, uh, early second round pick in rookie draft. So um, I think he's fairly valued right now, but he isn't really the type that I'm like pounding the table for either. Sure. That'll make sense. Okay. We're, we're going to make a take. Uh, get, we'll get a little warm. We'll plant a flag. All I want, and it can, you can, you can, Stretch it out if you need to. You can have a full conversation, or you can just say, this is my guy. You can give me a reason. You can just say his name. All I want is one sleeper type, someone maybe going outside of, let's say, the top two rounds currently, that you think can make a, a somewhat immediate you know, production. He's going to produce early. He's going to, you know, we know that those third round gems, I guess. We want to call them that, you know, your Stefan Diggs type players, guys that are kind of go by the wayside. And all of a sudden here they are with big boy dynasty value production to boot. And, and, you know, let's, let's just one flag, Nathan. It's all I need. One planted flag. Uh, there's a young man out of Maryland university or university of Maryland who in his red shirt freshman season had 7.9 yards per carry and uh, in his sophomore year, 5.4 yards per carry, eight rush, rushing touchdowns. The young man is Anthony McFarland. I think Ooh. that he's going to run pretty fast for the you know for the 40, and I think that he'll end up being a day two pick and thus a early second round rookie, round rookie pick. I like that. I'm I'm not uh, actually. You know what? I'm going to take his his AB his ADP sibling and. I'm going to go with Donovan Peoples-Jones. He, he's terrible. I don't he's think he's good. as bad as everyone thinks he's going to be. I think I think he's like a good Devin Funchess. Uh, <laughs> we all know how that turned out. Man, I feel like he just got such a bad rap at, at Michigan. He was, he was highly sought after coming out of high school, and 
in again another Debbie Darling, and maybe some of us hold on to those things for a little bit too long. I do feel like he's probably going a little too high. <laughs> Current ADP of uh, like rookie twenty nine, I think, is where he's falling in there. But I could see a path where he ends up doing something. Like maybe he just kind of needs that little kick. Uh, yeah, we he, he's been like sprinkled into like random first rounds of mock drafts too. Yeah, I mean that's that's not gonna happen. Let's let's not lose our minds, all right? But I feel like you know with just the the pure potential, he could find his way into a team, win himself like a wide receiver three role, have a weird like 35 catch rookie season, and then just blow up as a sophomore. There's a lot of concerns with DVP or DPJ. Oh, I said DVP, Devontae Parker. Oh, oh, that's that's what it was. I had the same concerns about Devontae Parker. Frank, you stop it. <laughs> I think that's our cue. All right, Frank's telling us we need to shut up and stop having bad takes. So we'll shut up and stop having bad takes. Hopefully you enjoyed a little bit of the rookie talk. We tried to make measurement season matter just a little bit. Next week, obviously, we'll have all of the combine stuff to be able to chat about, uh, all of your favorite quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. And I promise next week we'll talk about tight ends. Once we see the athleticism, we get the, you know, we can dive into a little bit of the tape. But uh, it's it's a fine tight end crew this year. There's just nothing super high end. So with all of that, uh, thank you to our friends at betonline.ag. Obviously, our wonderful crew at Rotoviz Radio. Nathan, do you have anything for the people? Kadoosh! We'll see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>